Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps, and today we will be discussing how you can delete stuff in the cloud safely. Right? Right. Right. Wow. But should we start first? What have you been learning since last time? Who? Yeah, Julian, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I. Yeah. Let me. <clears throat> I am mainly working. I'm mainly working uh, towards uh, front end right now, and integrating, uh, making basically a dashboard for a CRD on Kubernetes. So you, you when you create a custom resource definition, uh, you you want to manage your workflow in a certain way, and a CRD allow you to do that. The problem comes when you want to display the status of your CRDs, of, of your resources into a UI because that is doesn't show up anywhere. So you have to come up with all those things that integrate with Kubernetes. Um, and I find this really cool project called GraphQL Mesh. It's brand new. And basically there is a, it's a way to, to stitch uh, API endpoints together. So GraphQL, yeah. you, you define the the field that you want uh, in, in a JSON-like format. It, it's not really JSON. It, it's, it has its own syntax, but it's very similar to it. And so whatever you, you describe is the things that you're going to get back. So you, you don't, if you're not interested, like for instance, if you look at the GitHub API, they have a REST API and a, and a GraphQL API. In the REST API, when you query it, you get like a bunch of stuff that are URLs, and it takes seriously a lot of uh, resource, like a lot of bandwidth if you do that uh, a lot of time. In GraphQL, it was invented at Facebook for the mobile uh, Facebook app, so that the mobile could only request what it needs. And so the the idea behind that, I, I thought it was elegant with this GraphQL mesh is that you plug that to Kubernetes and you only query for the things that you need. And then you can uh, display that in a very simple manner on the um, on the UI, on the front end. It's still a work in progress, though. I haven't made... I, I think the security side of it is a little bit like... Yeah, I, I have to put more work into it because I'm not happy to have something as in having root access to everything. Uh, but the the... The repercussion, the, like the, the the results from that, would be very very interesting because you don't have to only to create a custom app only for Kubernetes. You can also stitch other endpoints and other other data sources. And it's I, I think this is brilliant for um, you know internal tooling. So yeah, wow. that's a little bit the the long speech about uh, <laughs> what I'm working on. Wow, it's really interesting all the time. You you work on really cool things. For me, yes. I just set up like auto scale on Amazon, and I'm happy that I get more nodes going up and down when I add more more resources it, to the cluster. It sounds it's glorious, but I'm I'm going to cry myself <laughs> to sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because of so much trouble, it, it's it, it's not glorious. I'm not happy. <laughs> it's really really hard. I would say. It's, uh, I it, it sounds glorious. It, it's not. It's no. not. It's not hype. It, it's just a really practical way to to do things. Okay. Okay. Andre, what what have you been learning and 
Right. So <clears throat> there were a lot of housekeeping, I would say, that kept me occupied. Yeah. Um, making sure that Terraform is terraforming and Jenkins is doing its thing and resource optimization in the cloud, making sure the budget is better than it used to be yesterday. But yeah. fr from the new things standpoint, I'm digging into the Audit D. Do you know what the Audit D is? Oh, yeah. I've been working a lot with that during security for Linux. It's... Yeah, so it's a thing that records system calls and activity or Linux yeah. calls. Yeah. And thing is that, like, in a project I'm working with, we do immutable infrastructure. And um, you want to have is... We do a rotation of servers all the time, but uh, was a little bit of gaps that we didn't extract the uh, system calls because when the box got rotated and you um, reacted to the signal later before the, I mean, after the box got rotated, there is very little forensics left. So I'm, I'm improving yeah. forensics collection and uh, educating myself about waste. It's a hard tool to work with. Have, have you uh, written any yeah. rules for it? Well, I found uh, I'm the type of the person that uh, trying to dig into the best practices first. So I spent some time watching the A Cloud Guru and actually like Linux Academy courses on that, yeah. understanding how it works and what people recommend. I also found some rule sets on the internet, that, and now I'm just tuning them down, making sure that there is no noise and stuff like that. So, like at yeah. an acceptable level. Another thing is how do you extract them? So I'm done um, with a like looking currently at audio bit, audit bit from Elastics that could uh, yeah. replace audit D with its own thing, but it's using the same rules format. And uh, that one can stream into the Elastic search and then you can do alerting yeah. that type of stuff. I think stuff. that's uh, a really good plan. We did the same, like getting the alert, because they JSON, if I rem remember correctly. Yeah, it's, it's nice to just shoot them over to, to Elastic. We did that as well, but we got so many logs, so it was. Can we use it in them? Right. That's the okay. problem with security. You need to have uh, good heuristics yeah. on set, the way how to find the needle in the, in the stack of layer, yeah. right? So, ha Have you looked at uh, Vasu? What's that? Okay. Uh, uh, let me show you. Uh, after this episode, I will take a screenshot and show you about my... I have this attack map where you can see the global, and then you can see everybody attacking our environments. Oh, oh, I guess oh. People, I guess the people who are listening also would want to see that. Yeah, at least can, put, put put the link at least to the show notes. I will, I will. Okay, so this oh, episode send, send, send it to Julian. So it's not lost in translation. Yeah. <laughs> but this episode about deleting resources, right? Yes. Tell me more. You um, you talked about it. What what happened? What do, you, what do you talk about? Yeah, the background is that uh, me and Julian was talking another day and I told him how I delete resources and he thought it might be a good idea for the podcast. So I'm going gonna, gonna to repeat the story. So deleting things makes me happy. That's a, yeah. that's a part of my nature. And I always ask developers, like, if you have something to decommission, send it to me my way, because I have a checklist of I, what, what, I, what, uh, what to do, how to delete things. 
So like, you know, making sure there are no leftovers in the cloud, no leftovers in Redis clusters and other places. So one thing that I do, for instance, is after everything is cleaned up, I would go to the repository and, uh, for instance, see if, if you host your repositories on GitHub, right? Or like GitLab, they all have a capability of searching through the repositories, but they would search on your primary branch that you select for every repository. Um, okay. Like, for instance, with the master or main, depends on your on your level of polit political correctness. So <clears throat> the problem is that if something is not being used, it will still pop up in a search. You don't want that to happen. So what I do is I create a new branch in the repository that I need to decommission. I delete everything. I just leave a, I just leave a readme saying that this repository is archived, want to see the code, select this branch. And I push that branch to the repository, going there and selecting that archive branch as a primary. In this way, it's being deleted, for instance, from Jenkins because there is no more Jenkins file or like the circle CI or what have you. Uh, and also, it doesn't pop up in the search. But I do that as a last step where I like Terraform destroy and uh, remove whatever is being deployed everywhere, cleaning up all the secrets and stuff like that. So people don't have to think about, is it used by something, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm just trying to keep up the list of everything that application can be used and there could be you know, like some Kubernetes secrets are being forgotten and stuff like that. Yeah. Or like some services or horizontal pod of the scalers that wasn't deleted. Stuff like this. It tends to accumulate over time. So and the story was that yeah, like I, I did my job, I like deleted everything in there, station, prod, and then we start to see five hundreds. So apparently Apparently, we missed something. Someone's still using <laughs> the service. So I I had to restore everything. Yeah. But the good thing is, like, when you do infrastructure as code, you just add a dummy commit to your Jenkins for, uh, like, the repository, push it to Jenkins or what have you. In 15 minutes, everything is back as it was. So, yeah. like, recreated all infrastructure, all dependencies, everything got in place, the containers just rebuilt, and, you know, Immutable infrastructure is called for the win. The only yeah. thing I had to do is was like a couple of manually entered secrets I had to put in the secrets manager. Yeah, yeah, that we use uh, basically back to work. So that, that, that was really nice. Another thing that we do there <laughs> that might be worth discussing is yeah. something that a friend of mine wrote is uh, the Lambda function. So one day I might rewrite an open source or like rewrite as open source that is running every night in AWS and it looks for specific tags on your resources. Yeah. Yeah. So everything that doesn't have a specific tag, it will tag it with a resource with another tag that say like the time to leave for this resource is zero. And that will collect a list of the stuff it's tagged as about to delete tomorrow, next time it runs. That um, so next time it runs, uh, it will uh, send it to Slack and tell us like you know I found all of this stuff I'm gonna delete it tomorrow, 
uh, that you can go in and change the tags by hands or like if someone created something by hands and want to keep it they could set a special tag that will prevent it from deletion but usually we're trying to delete the stuff i mean let the thing delete because then it's quite useful you can do experiments and then the thing comes and just cleans everything up yeah and it's also brings a good hygiene to yeah. the developer because they know they have to apply tags for all their resources are not being deleted and it's more it's more of the, you know, the fear type of thing where you drive this behavior using fear of your resources being deleted. <laughs> yeah. But while well, it works in this particular case, perhaps there might be another type of to motivate people to target But that's a property. smart thing. So if people adding resources, then yeah. overnight you have a script that will pick them up and say, oh, this one is not tagged uh, according to our standard. Please retag it or I will delete it tomorrow. Yeah, basically, then, it sends us to the Slack, and then we check it. We see who created resource, and then if yeah. you know what, if you want this one. Well, actually, now we don't do it because we know it's yeah. been around for a couple of years now, and it saves tons of money as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Because uh, I mean, uh, it's so simple creating stuff in in the in the cloud. So you just get. I mean, you always get surprised when you look at at buckets. Like, wow, this many? What's in here, right? There are, there are problems because you have to have a little bit of logic in there. For instance, you don't want to delete the last AMI you got. Yeah. You don't want to delete the last snapshot you got. Like when you're deleting security group, you want to detach it first from everything it's attached to. So there are like, you know, those edge cases that you have to work through. But uh, generally it works pretty well and you might don't want to apply it to all, all the resources. So. Yeah. But, it's but how all, did, you know, yeah. choose and pick, pick and choose. Yeah. The, the problem I see is how do you start matching, right? People add things to to the cloud with the GUI, right? Add things oh, manually. No, no, you run, no. no Ter- yeah, Terraform, terraform yeah. all the things. Yeah, you should run Terraform. But some, some, sometimes it happens that people add stuff, right? How do you work... On making sure uh, that you still have a good balance here, right? Do you want yeah, to delete then, every, you delete everything and then run it? What they add manually, that you will not go and configure something in production by hands, right? Because, well, you might, but that's a dumb idea. I mean, it might yeah. be, well, all right, all right, let me take it back. So it might be a useful way of doing that in the middle of the crisis. Yeah. And we don't have to run the Terraform spec through all the environments to roll it through CI, CD, stuff process. Yeah, yeah. You might want just to plug it now so you have time to do it properly in the code and then you just yeah. roll it through and make sure that it's applied as a code and then yeah. as a yeah. cleanup process. That, that is applicable. But generally, you might create stuff in dev, right? Yeah. You create stuff in dev, you play around, you test, you know what you want, then you implement yeah. that as a Terraform and roll it through the all environments. And I mean, actually developers learning quite quickly that, you know, doing that through Terraform ensures that it's being rolled in production without problems. Yeah. That its stuff will be consistent across environments and yeah. they will don't have to like scramble to fix the pipeline because something is missing in production. So yeah. this is something that helps people to learn and enforce certain rules. You could actually go from the different perspective, like in Amazon, there is a 
service uh, control policies, I believe they called, and through them you can enforce tagging. So yeah. you will not be able to create a resource without proper tags and you can define the rules. So that yeah. might be another way. We don't really do it, and maybe maybe for the bad, maybe we should, and might be able. Well, there are two two camps, I would say. One camp says that tagging should be strictly controlled because yeah. you can actually trade information through tags. Yeah. Right? So because it's like read-only and you can like get something from database, write it to the tags and then pull it on. There are attacks in this direction, but it's highly unlikely, I would say. So it so requires more sloppiness within the environment. So I would rather allow developers to tag stuff themselves and save some money in here. So, you know, I cannot say I have a recipe that solves everything here. So you have to choose a, choose choose a compromise. Yeah, you know. but that's how, how you do it. And you have this dev environment where, where you, of course, deploy with Terraform, but you also have free access as a developer to create stuff. But you need to tag them if you want to have them running there for a long time. And yeah. then when they know that they want uh, DynamoDB service or something, then they will create a Terraform uh, module for that service, and then EOS go through the pipeline and gets deployed. Yeah, exactly. And, so, so, so and then you have a yeah. The more complex thing is that, like, look, with Terraform you have state, right? So Terraform yeah. knows what it's created. So yeah. if you're coming coming in with a spec that doesn't have something that used to be there, through state Terraform can say, "Oh, huh, you deleted this thing from spec." I need to yeah. delete it from the cloud. So this hand. Yeah. Kubectl doesn't do that. Kubectl doesn't have a state. It doesn't know your uh-huh. intentions and what used to be there. So stuff like Argo CD, yeah. I think it still does Kubectl apply. I'm not an expert, and Julian might be correct there. So I'm saying bullshit. Not sure if you can say BS. <laughs> do it now, no. And anyhow, yeah, so the. Well, Argo CD, uh, last time I checked, is using a CRD. And you can define, um, yeah, kubectl apply or ham um, uh, charts with uh, yeah. uh, the deployment. Uh, uh, so my point being is that it is stateless and it does yeah. apply and it does, doesn't delete stuff. It doesn't delete stuff? I think it does if it's not in the namespace. How does it know what needs to be deleted if so, it's not defined in the specs? <clears throat> everything that's not defined. I don't know how. I never checked, but I know that it's going to get deleted because I tried. Oh, so, <laughs> so basically, it does a similar thing to the Lambda we have, right? So it deletes everything that's not in the spec. Yeah. Well, we exactly. will have to we will have to check on that. Links to the show. Let, let's put the link to Argo CD. I, I yeah. think the, that is a very good project to check out if you're using GitOps, because the yeah. although you have to be careful that this is meant for application running on top of Kubernetes, not for. Right. Uh, that's the only logic that I know. It will. That's the only thing I can, I'm sure of. Uh, for you know Terraform, I'm I'm really not sure about that. But but we're saying like yeah, uh, Argo CD and it's called Flex. What's the other one? Flex. Flux. 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 With you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're used to making sure that you have the state in the Kubernetes cluster. So you 
checking what you have in Git, and then making sure that you have the same things running in the Kubernetes cluster. But I'm not also, I think I have some mismatching in my cluster. Uh, so, if, for example, if I have something running in the cluster, Flux won't just clean it out and just make sure that uh, only the Git stuff is running there. Uh, it right, just so applies this. Yeah. yeah, another thing is uh, Terraform have a Kubernetes provider. Terraform has provided for Kubernetes, and you can yes. define Kubernetes resources through Terraform. Yeah. And uh, then you have state in Terraform. But that's like the, that's more of, you know, having your hammer, having a hammer in your hand and everything looks like a nail. I'm, I'm not sure that uh, doing like Terraform, doing Kubernetes deployments through Terraform is, uh, you can do that. I'm just saying that it might be not the best way to do it. It looks like the Helm is the way to go. And that you just generate your templates, commit them to the Git, to the GitOps. And Julian wants to say something. I I think about that. (laughs) Sure. Sure. The idea idea is that um, the the reason it's interesting to have your resources in a Kubernetes cluster with uh, the Terraform controller is that you, you basically have many layers. So you have the, the I, I counted three different layers in, in, in the infrastructure stack. When you when you think cloud infrastructure, there is the, the really, the lower level, like I'm talking networking, um, you know, connection, like the, the stuff that you don't really, it's the bootstrap step, let's say, you know, the, the, the IAM, the, the, everything that's uh, the bare bones, the skeleton of your infrastructure, those is interesting to have in, in Terraform because you don't need anything. You just need a, a Terraform file and apply and, and, and you're good to go. What yeah. comes interesting is when you, you have to define resources uh, for application that are outside a Kubernetes cluster. Let's say I have an application. It needs a database. I don't want to run the database into Kubernetes. Don't do that. It's a recipe for disaster. Yes, some, some manage to do it, and, they, and that's their full-time job. And unless it's a full-time job, don't run a database into a Kubernetes cluster. And so what you do is you spin up um, a managed instance of the Postgres, MySQL, MongoDB, whatever, Redis. And, and that is just for, it usually should be only for that particular application. So the, the manifest of the application can live next to the resources, the dependency of the infrastructure. And that brings kind of a lean separation of concern saying like to the developer, look, you, you're going to manage that the the part that the cloud doesn't manage uh, with your application. So the, the schema of the table, the, the, the kind of things that, you know, it, it's not somebody from the, maybe the infrastructure team that should take care of. The, the infrastructure, infrastructure team is very much more like focused on do things that are secure, accessible, uh, reliable, and all those things. The application layer uh, is very much all about the, sur- the dependency of the application. And the third layer is your your code, your application, the the what the a developer usually work with on a day to day basis. And so once you have those those three layers of code, it could very well be into like a, in a disaster recovery scenario, having something that okay you you would know exactly which step to recreate your entire cloud infrastructure in a matter of maybe minutes, maybe hours. So you could redeploy a new zone 
in, in a very little amount of time. And that kind of make you a little bit like uh, safe. Like, at least I, I feel more confident about trying things out when I know that, you know, it, it's recoverable. And all those things are really important to, to have this separation of abstraction, like who is working on what, who should take care of what, and that's the defining the responsibility because some people might have the skill or might not might have the skill but might not want to do it. So if the developer are really, uh, I would say, let loose, having a Kubernetes um, control, a Terraform control inside Kubernetes makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, it does. I'm actually coming from the same direction. So, like um, having like a application as dependencies all together deployed together. It's a, I think it's a good idea in general. There are some corner cases though, like when you want to do some specific stuff, like for instance, you want to share data, share, uh, share the managed database instance between multiple applications to save money, becoming more complicated. Or for instance, you don't want to have every application has its own load balancer. You want to have a shared ingress. Kubernetes makes it easy to separate concerns here. You can deploy ingress separately and then the application will deploy ingress objects there. So this this part is separated quite easily, but there are other examples I can bring up. Anyhow, um, the way I used to create the Kubernetes cluster was time to time you need to upgrade, right? So you just get a new cluster, run pipelines to deploy stuff. So everything that's created by the pipeline should be there. Yeah. Everything that's not shouldn't be. And again, like, it helps with uh, developers' hygiene. So, like, you know, like next time we upgrade the cluster, everything should be in the spec because stuff yeah. from the spec doesn't go in. I know people just copy stuff from one another. Well, maybe it's a fine way to, to do to achieve the upgrade and transfer your stuff without breaking it. But I'm more for breaking stuff and finding those things that. Is creeping in and created by hands, and just run, exactly as Julian says, be not. I'm sleep better when I know I can recreate everything from score code, whatever happens. So, yeah. well, cool. We're, we're coming up to the last minutes here. You want to give some last minute tips here on? So, episodes getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> focus on the important stuff here. No, blah, blah, blah. Uh, quality over quantity. <laughs> so, so um, no. the last last words about deleting uh, resources in the cloud. Well, I would say it all comes down to how do you know it's safe to delete? And yeah. That is also a, a process to be set in place, which is very much part of the DevOps philosophy that you, you have to get feedback somehow. And that communication channel should be open in order to be able to ask uh, things to people like, do you still use that? Uh, yeah. Like, you, you, you know, chat is a nice way, but it might be like um, not very official, but having a process to keep track of, you know, the, the full cycle of what you do is is very powerful because those data accumulate over time and you can have you, it will be much easier to make informed decision if you know how much you spend time on chasing people uh, about the limiting resource maybe maybe another process processes can be changed in order to accommodate the use case of people 
so I, I, I always come down to the, it, it's, it's a lot about how do you get feedback? How do you communicate? How, how to know? And working on that usually yields a lot of value without talking about tooling. Yeah. I would add that uh, in Russian, there is a proverb, if translated to, ling- to English, literally it means trust but verify. So yeah. uh, you could always uh, have people telling you, yeah, we don't use that, but you know, go check the logs. Like, your, yeah. is anyone calling this thing? Does it consume resources? <laughs> Other like, connections and stuff? Check that, S- save you some time. <laughs> Uh, another okay, thing I, I kind of forgot to say uh, what, about what, what I wanted to mention when it came to that, uh, if you are to build such solution, I believe people building it all over the place. I can yeah. believe that I'm like the only one doing that. And there are maybe even solutions, open source solutions that I'm just not aware of. If there are, send it to me. I, I want to know. Um, one tune, tuning thing that you might want to do is not only deleting the last IMI, but also this one will require more work and more logic, but keeping the last snapshot of the instance for okay. for a prolonged time, because that might be useful for forensic analysis. Like the instance got rotated, you want to have a disk around. And if your snapshots rotated together with the instance, so you basically want to have those snapshots staying for maybe 90 days, maybe 180 days, depending yeah. on how proactive you are with uh, security event monitoring. So yeah. depending on yeah. how, how, how far you have to go. Like if your yeah. instance usually leave for, for a couple of weeks, then you probably did half a year, right? I'm taking those numbers from my head without, from the top of my head without putting much thinking into that, but think about it. Yeah. Will be it for me. Good advices, guys. Really good. And with that, we come up to half an hour. And uh, I would say thank you for listening. And stay tuned for more episodes. See you next time. Stay safe. Stay safe and check out the DevSecOps website. Excellent. You have been listening to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias, Andre, and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.